is something that I actually uh, spoke about uh, a little over a year ago, almost two years ago, I guess, coming up at our leadership seminar. And uh, God put it on my heart uh, strongly again. And I thought, well, I don't know. I usually don't like to preach or teach the same message, but he put it on my heart as strongly for tonight, and I know a lot of us weren't there at that time. But I, I realized today why he put it on my heart so much, and it's this Saturday and Sunday is our family day weekend. Amen. And God is going to move, and he is going to be bringing a lot of people, a harvest, church. We're seeing a tremendous harvest happen. So I, I believe that that's exactly why he put this message on my heart for tonight, to speak to that, to speak to the harvest, because that's why we're here. That's what we're here for. It's for his harvest. It's for his kingdom. And, and that's what we need to keep our eyes on. Amen? Amen. So tonight, I just want to look at the book of Ruth. Uh, the title for tonight is Faces of the Harvest. Faces of the Harvest. And I will reference a few scriptures uh, throughout, but I encourage you to read this whole book. It's only a few chapters. But I find it unique that this whole book revolves around a field and around a harvest. And that's what we are here for. That's what we're to do is, is have these eyes and have our eyes on the harvest. Amen? But it makes me start to think about our church right now and where we're going and what we're seeing happening is an amazing thing. I've told people often recently that I cannot even explain what we're seeing, what's happening here at Tree of Life Church, formerly First Apostolic Church, what's been building for years and years, what we're starting to see happen right now is something that is truly amazing. It can only be described simply as a God thing. That's the only way we can describe it. And if people are coming from all over the, the country, all over our city, and, and walks of life, cultures, diversity. It's just amazing what God is doing, and he's bringing this perfect picture of what his kingdom is like, and he's bringing us all into this house and into this congregation led by our pastor, but it's not just our pastor. It's all of us, everyone that he has brought into this place from other churches, from not being a church, whatever he has brought us in from, it's all of us, and we all have to have our part in this harvest and what God's doing. Because it's up to each and every one of us. We're, we're kind of a, uh, a habit or we've taken on this, this culture, this Western civil, civilization culture that is kind of wrong how we put everything on the pastor or everything on the leadership. That's not really what the church is supposed to be about. He is definitely our shepherd that God has placed here. And he's going to drive the vision and bring the word. But it's up to each one of us to understand what is my part and, and what do I need to do. And I can tell you that before we get into this thousand-seat sanctuary, it's going to take all of us working together in one accord to be able to handle what God wants to bring. It can't be all placed on our pastor to handle everyone that's coming. We've already grown to a point where it's too much, and we all have to be taking our part. We all have to be doing our part and carrying the weight and, and reaching out and lifting one another up and be of one accord. And when we see strife, we see things happening, we need to take care of that right on the spot. We need to be aware of that. We need to know that there are going to be attacks, Sister Jackie, on, on health on us. But the devil is a liar. We're not, I'm not going to stand here and give him any credit right now or say, let's be afraid, let's be concerned. But we're going to pray like we always pray. 
We're going to fight the battle like we always fight the battle. This is how I fight my battles. And we're going to do it together. We're going to do it of one accord, and we're going to pray together. We're going to strengthen one another, and we're going to see this through, and we're going to be a part of what God's doing. He's called each and every one of us, church. Everyone that's here, he is called to the Tree of Life Church for this moment, for this time. It's not just our pastor. And I, I look back to what God showed me several years, almost 10 years ago, I would say now. The scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. But it goes beyond that. He showed me at that time, he said, you know what? Sometimes when I give you a calling, when I give you a ministry, that's what you begin to seek most. I've talked about this before and I'll say it until I'm gone because it's stuck with me. It's something that I want to continue to live with. Don't just seek our ministry. Don't just seek our callings. It's still the big picture, the kingdom of God. It's not what ministry he's given me, because if I focus my attention on that, I may lose sight of something else that needs help. I can't focus on what my calling is or what my ministry is. I want to do every bit of it. I want to be a part of everything that he's doing. So I encourage everyone here tonight that has a ministry, has a calling, seek first the kingdom of God first. Seek that first. And then he will take care of the rest of the things. I know for certain that there's many people here that have callings and have ministries that they're called into that haven't opened up yet. Don't be discouraged. It's coming, church. It's coming. We're moving into a thousand-seat sanctuary. The time is coming. We're going to need more laborers. We're gonna, God is going to open up the room for your gifts. God is going to make room for your gifts. It's going to happen. Be still and know that he is God. It, I know, first, I know it can be discouraging to say, well, okay, this is my calling. Lord, you've called me, but what am I doing here right now? What am I doing in this place right now? It's okay. It's coming. It's coming. God's going to open up the door. So be encouraged and say, I'm going to take ownership of what you've placed me in charge of, God. I'm going to take ownership of what you've given me, and I'm going to work it, and I'm going to dedicate myself to it. So some of the ministries we have in this church that seem small or are only occasionally done, something that's once a year or twice a year or quarterly, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter what it is, be encouraged. It's all part of the kingdom of God. It's all part of what Tree of Life is doing and where we're going and what God wants us to do. So you may find yourself in the spotlight one day. You may not. I don't know. But it's all part. It takes everything. It takes every ministry. It takes every calling. So let's keep moving forward. Let's uphold our pastor. Let's uphold each and every one of us. Every day, every time we go into prayer, let's lift everyone up. Because it's not just what happens behind this pulpit. This is just a few hours a week that something comes from this pulpit. And it's good. It's good what comes from this pulpit. Amen. We are rich. We are fat and happy, to put it the best way that I can say it. We are blessed, church. And I want to take that. And the other things that sometimes we put our eyes on and think, well, what about this? What about that? This is what, what we have coming from this pulpit is the truth. And it's good word. And it's strong word. And that's why people are coming. That's why we're all here. That's why God called us here. What's coming out of this pulpit? The truth that's coming from this pulpit. And there's a lot of churches that people aren't getting fed the way that they want to be fed. And God's saying, you know what, I'm going to send you to Tree of Life. I'm going to send you to the Tree of Life. And when we're in that new building and it's packed, they're going to be getting blessed just like we are. Amen. But it's going to take every one of us, church. Every one of us, no matter how long you've been here, to work towards that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Faces of the harvest. 
faces of the harvest. And I want to just look uh, first at uh, Ruth uh, chapter 2 and 9. It says, let your eyes, this is Boaz talking to Ruth, and he says, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And I want, I want to first talk about having the eyes of Boaz. So the faces of the harvest have many people. We've got people coming from all walks of life, from every direction. And we have to be ready for that. We have to be prepared, prepared for that. And this weekend, we're going to be seeing a lot of people. I don't know how many we're going to have, Brother Mark, but I'm praying we see as many as we saw for the Easter extravaganza. Amen. I'm praying for people to come from all over the city to this place. And at the, at the end of this service, instead of having a traditional kind of ending, I'm going to ask Brother Mark and Brother Brian to come up and, and speak a little bit about that and lead us into a time of prayer because we need to cover what's going to happen this weekend in prayer. We need to cover what's going to happen this weekend in prayer. All the people that are going to step foot on this congregation, on this property, we want God to touch them the way that we're being blessed. Feel what, we're being, what we feel every week, every time we have a service and open up these doors. God is moving just like Sunday morning. Healings are happening, and we want them to come in and feel this and say, I want to have a part of that. I want to feel what you're feeling. I want to come in and, and be healed and be restored and be renewed because that's what we're experiencing. So many people say I don't know what it is when I open up these doors I instantly feel the power of God come over me I instantly feel something come over me that's before prayer and worship have even started on a Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night whatever it is people that are newer are coming in I, I don't I can't explain it they say I am just feeling a power that I've never felt in anywhere else and that's what we're so blessed so blessed to experience in this house so blessed of what God is doing at Tree of Life. And again, I can't explain it. It's just something that he has chosen for this time to do at this church with us and our pastor. And I've told people, I just want to sit and be a part of it. I don't, I don't know what, what part it's going to be, Lord. I just want to be a part of it. I've had so much fun during this campaign. This past Sunday, I, I grabbed a couple people and said, isn't this fun? Hallelujah, it was so much fun feeling that presence of God, amen? And that's just what I want to experience, and I just want to be a part of it. Thank you, Jesus. But let your eyes be on the field, Boaz said. And he could say that because his eyes, Boaz, his eyes were on that field. His eyes were on that harvest. The word says that he was a wealthy, extremely wealthy man, extremely wealthy man, and had all these harvests and all these fields. He could have easily been sitting in the uh, country club or, or whatever, you know, out vacationing and saying, it's okay, I'm, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I've already got everything that I need. I already have all these fields. I already have this harvest coming in and all my servants and everybody that's working the field, I can go out and just kind of take it easy. But he didn't do that. He had his eyes on that field and knew what was happening and who was out there. There was gleaners out there. He even knew who the gleaners were because Ruth originally was just a gleaner. The gleaners were the people that came in after the reapers and just took what was on the edges just to have something, just to take something, just to have a little bit of something, a little bit of part of what was going on. And Boaz knew who they were. He didn't have to be doing that. We don't have to do that, church. We're already here. You can say, well, I'm already saved. Pastor could say, well, we've already got a flock. We've got a, a, a church that's already full. 
we could kind of let it sit right here and stay with this, but we're not. We're going into a, a new sanctuary. We're waiting for more people for God to say, no, I'm not done. I'm sending more people your way. And it's up to us to say, you know what, I'm going to have my eyes on that field. I'm going to have my eyes on that harvest, and I'm going to see who are you bringing in, Lord. What, what is in this field that I need to see? Who do I need to see? Who do I need to reach out to? Who do I need to pay attention to? What can I see on the edges of this field? We've got a lot of people that are coming in. We don't have the space. There are some people that are coming in and just being able to glean. And God's saying, I don't have room for them to be here all, uh, you know, every week. So they're going to come in and they're going to glean and they're going to get enough for what maybe they need to get through until we do have the space, until we do have the room. And we have to be aware of those things. Pastor can't keep up with everyone. He can't follow up with everything. We have to make contacts. We have to recognize those people that are coming in and gleaning and saying, I'm going to take the responsibility on myself, and I'm going to get to know this person. I'm, I'm going to see my eyes back here and see who's coming in, who's sitting in the lobby, who can't even get a seat in the sanctuary, and I'm going to say, I'm going to make it a point to, to talk to that person and to get to know them and see what are they here for. God has brought you here for a reason. You're hurting for a reason. You need some kind of healing. The tree of life is for the healing of the nations. So you're here for a reason. And I'm going to take it upon myself. And I'm not going to rely on leadership or connect point or pastor to go and, and find them. I'm going to say, I'm going to introduce myself and say, okay, hey, I'm so-and-so. What brings you to the tree of life? It's, it's wonderful to have you in this house. God is moving in this house. And you're going to feel something in this house. And if you need a healing, you're going to get it in this place. If you need a touch, you're going to get it in this place. If you need restoration, you're going to get it in this place. I can assure you because I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. And I can tell you my testimony. And it's up to us to say, can I get your number? Can I contact you? Amen. The church needs to do better. We need to do a better job ourselves of following up with those people. And we're going to get to that point, church. We're going to see a lot of things happening. Don't be afraid that we're going to jump into a thousand seat sanctuary as we are right now. We're definitely going to be diligent and create new ministries and involve more people so we can handle that. We're not just going to walk into it thinking, yeah, we can handle a thousand people like it's nothing. Pastor is well aware. We're all well aware that we need to be prepared for that. And that's what we're doing. But we have to be aware of who's God bringing into this house. Who's a new face that I've not seen before. And when we have altar call, when we have prayer up here, it's not easy for people to come up to the front. It's not easy for them to make their way up. Everyone has the same feelings. The enemy's saying, well, don't go up there. Everybody's going to judge you. Everybody's going to think, well, that, what's wrong with them? What's your problem? What are they struggling with? I don't care if you've been here for 50 years. Some people still have that problem. If you feel like coming to the altar, come to the altar. This is where healing happens, church. This is where God moves. We saw it Sunday morning. Something was happening up here. And it goes back through the sanctuary. And it goes back. But not everybody is willing to come up. We have to say, who needs a touch? Who's gleaning right now? Who's gleaning but they're afraid to come up? And get the main harvest. Don't be afraid to reach over and pray for somebody sitting next to you. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm, is it all right if I pray with you? Is it all right if I talk to you for a minute? If it, is it all right if I just lay a hand on your back or your shoulder? Is that okay? Because I can assure you most of the time they all say the same thing. Thank you. I needed that so badly. Thank you for doing that because I don't know. I, I'm afraid to go up front. I'm afraid to do whatever, you know, God is putting on my heart. I, I, I don't know. But thank you for talking to me. Thank you for reaching out to me. 
It's too easy for us all to listen to the enemy and say, now, is that God or is that me? Should I take a leap? Should I go over and talk to that person that's on the other side of the sanctuary? Should I, should I go up and lay hands on that person? It's too easy for us to say, nope, that, that's probably just me, and, and what are they going to think if I do that? I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. Church, if we're going to see what God wants us to see, if we're going to see the miracles that we have just seen, if we're going to see people come in and be healed and see that sanctuary full, we've got to start listening to the voice of God, that still small voice, and say, I'm going to respond to what you're telling me, Lord. I'm going to respond right now, and I'm going to lay hands on that person, and I'm going to talk to that person. Let's have the eyes of Boaz. Let's say, hey, who's God bringing into this place this week? I know it's, it's easy for me to, to talk to the same people every week, to talk to my same friends, because Lord knows we're all busy. We have busy lives. Our phones don't stop ringing. Appointments don't stop. Kids' stuff doesn't stop. School doesn't stop. I completely get it. But, and it's easy for me to say on a Sunday, hey, to my friends, my best friends, hey, you want to go out to eat? Because I want to catch up with them. I want to talk to them and see how they're doing. But I have to say, you know what? Is there somebody else that I can talk to today? Is there somebody else that I can spend some time with today? Is there somebody else that needs a connection? Is there somebody that's coming to this church that I've never talked to, but I've seen their face for quite some time? Hey, guilty as charged. I know how busy it is Sunday mornings. I know how busy life is. I have to take the time to say, Lord, you've brought them into this field. You've brought them into this harvest. And help me, show me, help me to take the time to say, hey, how are you doing? It's great to have you at the Tree of Life Church, and I want to invest some time in you. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Eyes on the field. Eyes of Boaz. Eyes on that harvest. What's going on out there? Ruth 2, and 5, 2 15 and 16 says, and the, again, this I, I want to look at still Boaz. It says in 15, And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let her grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that, they are, that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. We've got to let people come in and grow, church. We've got to leave some of what we're getting. We've got to share some of what we're getting with those people that are coming in. We've got to say, hey, I know that you may not understand this. I know God may have brought you from something that I can't understand. I've got to say, hey, I'm going to share some of what I've got. I'm going to let a little bit of what I've got fall off of me and give that to you. Pastor talks about the fruits, the fruits of the tree, and how we're supposed to let people pluck that off of us. Let some people take some stuff from you, church. Let some people take some stuff. Leave a little bit for them and say, hey, I'm going to share a little bit of what I've got with you. Because I don't know what you know. I don't know where you come from or what you understand. But I'm going to share with you what I know. I'm going to share with you what I've got because you need a little bit of what we've got. I don't know if you saw, if anybody watched the uh, TF10 funeral. But at that funeral, Jensen Franklin, a uh, well-known um, a well-known preacher of another faith, of another doctrine was there. Um, Charismatic leader, strong leader, been on TBN and and, and many shows. Um, He was at the the funeral of T.F. Tenney and spoke. And and just to kind of abbreviate it, he was talking about Brother Tenney and said he had two tribes. 
You know, he had his tribe within the apostolic movement. But he reached over the walls and reached into these other doctrines and into these other faiths and said, you're like uh, Joseph with um, Ephraim and Manasseh. And you have reached over. You have two tribes. And what he said was, all you pastors that are here, and even some that aren't, that are in this movement, that have this truth, he said, you need to keep doing this. You need to reach out to us because we need to drink from your well. We need to drink from your well. Essentially saying what you have is truth. We may not know how to get there. We may not know how to bring it to our people. But the more we can drink from your well, the more we can start to share that. So these people that are coming in that may not understand everything, let's talk. Let's teach. Let's, let's, let's get to know them and let them glean from us, not just the outer skirts of the church. Thank you, Jesus. The eyes of Boaz. I want to have the eyes of Boaz, church. I want to see and recognize these needs. Naomi, another person in this story. The tears of Naomi. What Naomi went with. Let's look at verse or chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? All too often, church, we, we find ourselves also in the situation that Naomi's in right now. We find ourselves hurt, hurt in life, hurt in the church. Whatever may have hurt us or, or seemingly knocked us off our path, or seemingly knocked us off our seat in the church and made us think about, do I need to get out of this? Do I need to quit going to church? Do I need to quit serving God? Causing us to doubt our relationship with God. Causing us to doubt our walk with God. Naomi had to have been devastated. She's lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons. But yet she's saying, I have no purpose anymore. God has dealt bitterly with me. That's why she changed. She said, call me Mara, not Naomi. God has dealt bitterly with me. Not only has he dealt bitterly with me, he's testified against me. She's doubting everything. How many of us have found ourselves in this situation? A long time in the church, doing a work, having a powerful ministry, whatever we may be doing, moving and powerful in God. Something will knock us to our knees. And we could easily say, I'm done. My ministry is done. My life is done. Everything that I, I have worked for is done. That's not the truth. That's a lie. Straight from hell. Everything that we go through, church, is temporal. Paul says, don't look at the temporal. Look at eternity. Look at the things that can't be seen. Too often we get knocked down and we, and we think, well, I can't help anybody. Everything that the enemy uses for, is for bad. God will turn to good. Everything that God puts us through, he's putting us through it for a reason. He's putting us through it for a reason, church. I know some people right now are going through things. Some people are coming out of things. We're all going to go through something. We'll all find ourselves in Naomi's seat. I don't know if it's going to be the exact circumstances, but we're going to be questioning. We're going to be doubting. We're going to be saying, Lord, why have you testified against me? Why have you come against me? I don't want to go back to church. I don't want to go back into the church and them say, oh, here comes this powerful person. You've moved and you've done all these things. And then we're going to say, don't say that about me. I, I'm nothing now. God has turned his back on me. I, I, I'm nothing anymore. That's not true. If it wasn't for Naomi, where would Ruth have been? If it wasn't for Naomi, would we have a Jesus? Yes, we know God's 
plan would have been fulfilled through somebody else. But Boaz, Ruth, Naomi, all these people were part of that lineage. If it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for this book, if it wasn't for this harvest, we wouldn't have had David. We wouldn't have had Jesus. So whatever Naomi went through was for a purpose. God's going to put us through some things. I've said recently what Brother Enos has just gone through. These are the things that we preach and we say when these things happen. We call on these scriptures. We talk it. We preach it. We talk about it when people come in. But people need to see us live it. And this is how people see us live it. What Brother Enos went through, I prayed. I hurt. I was scared. I was hurt. I was definitely praying for him and scared for what was going to happen. But now people see Sunday morning when they come in and they see a move of God and they see the people praying. And they see the people of God calling on that name and saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but we trust you, Lord. Whether he comes out of this or not, we trust you, Lord. And when they see him rise up and then when they see him go home and see that testimony, they see, wow, people really do live this. People really are say, walk in that walk. When people see a Naomi going through what she's going through, when people see you going through what, they're, what you're going through and see you still standing strong in the workplace, when your family members that aren't in church see you still standing strong and still crying out, I don't know, but my God is in control. When they hear you say those words, my God is in control, and then they see you come out of that, that's when you have a testimony that speaks to people. That's when you have something that talks to people. Hallelujah. We can quote, quote scripture to people that aren't in church, quote scripture to the people that don't even necessarily believe in God or believe God, but say, I don't know, I can't read the these, thous, and those and understand all that. It doesn't make sense to me. When we quote those things to them, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Sometimes it does, but a lot of times they don't understand and it doesn't mean a whole lot. But we can say, I have a testimony that I can share with you. When they see you living out a testimony, that's when they take note and say, wow, I want that. I want whatever that is. And I don't know, but I'm going through this now. And you just went through that. So I saw you stand strong. I saw what you stood through. And, and I don't know how you did it, but I'm going to go find out. I want to see what it is. That's how you live through that. Brother Brandon, I believe you've testified several times about people at work saying, I don't know how you do it, how you come in every week and how you don't get caught up in the conversation how you don't cuss like the rest of us, how you don't talk about the same things as the rest of us. And someday somebody's going to look at you and say, I, I, I need to get out of this. And what is it that you're experiencing? What is it that you have that I want? How is it that you can come in and all this adversity and stand strong? I want to find out what that is because I know I keep falling every night to this vice. I keep going to the bar every night. I keep going to the, to the same well that's given me nothing. I keep going to the drugs, whatever it may be, because that's what I, I, I think fulfills me. But the next morning, I'm back into the same situation. I'm back into the same heartache. I'm back into the same problem and saying, I can't get out of it. But they're going to look at you and say, you do it every day. You stand strong every day. It's something that you do, that you have every day that gets you through. Thank God. Thank God for the Naomi's. Thank God for the trials. I could be scared standing here saying that right now and say, well, Lord, are you going to put me through one tomorrow? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, I've seen enough and I've lived long enough now when I can look back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, Lord, was a lot of young people can't and say, wow, I see now, Lord, why you were doing that. I see now what I thought. I didn't, 
I didn't think was the right way. I didn't think this was the way to get to where you were taking me. I thought I understood what I needed to do or what you needed to do to get me to the place that you were taking me. I thought, this is too much, Lord. Why are you putting me through this? There can't be any good come from this. Why am I going through this? But now I can look back and say, oh, I see now. I see now what the purpose was. I see how you got me through it. And so many times, church, we think we give things to God, but we don't necessarily completely do it. We say, Lord, take this from me. Take this from me. But in our mind somewhere we're saying, just show me, Lord, what to do. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. He's just saying, no, 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 just lay it down. Just lay it down right there and walk away and forget about it. Don't ask how you're going to get through it. Don't ask how I'm going to guide you and how I'm going to get you through it. I'm just going to get you through it. I'm just going to take you through it. I'm just going to take care of the end that you can't see what's coming up. I'm going to show you the glory that I'm taking you to and the reward that I'm taking you to. And we can't see that. And we think, Lord, just show me. Just take care of it. Show me what to do. He's just saying, no, just lay it down. Just lay it down. So let's, let's understand when we have those Naomi moments, those tears mean something. Those tears are for a reason. Those tears are watering a harvest. Those tears are making something happen. Thank you, Jesus. And in 2 and 22, it says, And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this young, or with his young women, and that people do not meet you in any other field. She's telling them, and that's what we can tell. That's what we can tell after we've gone through some Naomi moments. That's what we can tell some people that are coming in like Ruth, a Moabite that doesn't completely understand something. I can say, hey, stay out of that field. Don't go into that field. This is the field that you need to stay in, Ruth. You're in the right field. Don't let someone see you in that other field. Don't go back and try and glean from that field again because that's not the field that you need to be in. You need to be in God's harvest. You need to be in his harvest. This is the field that you need to stay in. Once we've been through some things, once God has answered some prayers, once God has blessed us, once God has filled us with his spirit, once we've taken on that name in baptism, once we have taken on that name in our life, we can say, no, this is the field that I'm staying in. I'm not leaving this field. And I'm going to tell somebody else when they're coming in, well, I don't know. Is this right? Is this where I need to be? Yes, this is where you need to be. Stay in this field. You're in the right place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We can look at Ruth and Orpah also and the directions that each of those went, that they went. Faces of the harvest, which ways did they go? We can look at 1 and 14, and we can see the two directions that were taken. It says, of Ruth and Orpah, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah chose to go ahead and leave. Naomi, not knowing, not knowing what she would do, not knowing what the answer would be, not knowing what they can do, if they can come back, if they should come back, feeling desolate and, and left, left from God, said, you girls need to go back to your, to your families. Go back to Moabite. Go back to where you came from because I've got nothing left for you. I've got nothing else you can do. And Orpah said, well, okay. I don't know what happened to Orpah. We don't know. And we've got to understand, too, this is a harsh thing. There's sometimes we're sowing into people. 
There's people that we're sowing into, people that do come in, and, and, and we don't know what happens. But we have to say, okay, you know, I've done my part, Lord. I'm doing my part, and there's going to be Orpahs that leave, and we have to understand that. And there's Ruths, though, that are staying and saying, I'm going to cling on to this. I'm going to cling on to this because there's something that you have. There's something that you're doing. And I may leave for a while. I don't know. I may look like I'm Orpa, but I'm not. I'm going to keep coming back. And I don't care if somebody comes and goes and we see them over the years coming and going and thinking, we can't think, well, uh, you know, they're never going to stick. This isn't going to happen. I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. Let them keep coming back as often as they need to. Let them keep coming in. I don't care if I don't see them for a year and they come back. Give them a hug. Thank you for being in the house of God. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. You're in the right place. And then if I don't see them again for six more months, thank you. I'm glad to see you back. Back in the house of God. I'm going to love you no matter what. Because somebody, there's a Ruth that has a desire. And they may not understand, yes, this is what I need. They may be finding their way. They may be saying, okay, I know that this is what I need, but I don't know quite how to get there. And we're going to have to be like Naomi and say, she stops talking and telling Ruth, don't come with me anymore. She just says, okay, I'm going to go. If you're coming with me, just come on with me. And she may not, she says she shut her mouth and didn't talk to her for, uh, and say anything else about it. She may not have talked to her and said, hey, you're doing the right thing. I don't know what she said. But either way, she said, well, you're coming back? Okay, I'm going to let you just come back. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, come on. Come on, Ruth. Come on into the house of the Lord. This is the field. This is the harvest that you need to be in. And we're going to open our, our, our arms up to you. Praise God. Ruth clung to her. Ruth says in, in, in um, verses uh, 15, or no, I'm sorry, in 16 and 17. But Ruth said, and you've heard this probably in some weddings. And treat me, this is Ruth to Naomi, and treat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That was the desire of Ruth. Hallelujah. And we've got some people that are finding their way to the truth, finding their way to the tree of life. And they're going to be coming, church. They're going to be coming from all over the place. I don't know what they're going to look like. I don't care if they're a Moabite and they don't look anything like what I look like or what I think somebody should look like that's serving God or living for God, I'm going to say, hey, come on in. Come on in. Let us show you. Let us show you this word. Let us see. Let us show you what God can do, and let God change them, and God work on their hearts, and God show them who he is and what he is. They're coming from all over the place, church, and it's up to us to say, okay. Okay, I'm going to have my eyes open for you, Ruth. And they're going to have a desire because they may not understand what it is they feel when they walk in, their door, in those doors. But they're going to say, I feel something. I feel something strong. I feel something and I just want it. I just want that because everything else that I've done in life has brought me to a desolate place. I remember over a decade ago when I finally made my way back how I felt. And thank God there were some Boazes and some people that knew me and said, yes, welcome back. 
Come on back. You're where you need to be. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God for that. Praise God for his people. Praise God for his word. Praise God for his truth. Praise God for his grace. Praise God for his mercy. Praise God for our redemption and Calvary. That's what Boaz was, church. He's a type of Christ, a kinsman redeemer. He didn't have to do what he did for Ruth. He could have easily said, you're a Moabite. I can't. I don't want you here. I'm a Jew. This isn't right. This isn't what we do. I'm not going to redeem you. As a matter of fact, it wasn't the culture for him to be the first, to be the one to to redeem it. He went to the first person, and they said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm not going to redeem her. But Boaz said, I'm going to redeem her. And because of that, the lineage started to Jesus. Amen. The eyes of Boaz, we have to have them. Tears of Naomi, desire of Ruth. I don't want that desire to ever go away. Praise God, this is the harvest that God is bringing. We've got to be ready for that thousand-seat sanctuary. We've got to be ready for Moabites, people to come in from every different direction, every different place, and say, I'm going to recognize that, and I'm going to receive you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our, our brother Josh if you would come, and, and brother Mark and brother Brian, if you would come up in, in just a second and, and talk about, we're going to share, brother Mark's going to share some of the some of the uh, specifics about this Saturday's family day. And then uh, Brother Brian will share a little bit of the, the vision and passion of that and lead us in prayer. Because I think it's important, however Brother Brian chooses to do it, that if we all stood or come forward, this needs to be covered in prayer. This harvest, it's not only about just this Saturday. This, we're starting to see small things happen in this congregation what we're doing, and the Easter extravaganza. We had a 1,000 people here that day. Swain Park's parking lot was completely packed. I don't know if they knew even what First Apostolic Church was still the sign and still the name at that time. I don't know if they even know. A lot of people were like, your apos, what is that word? They, they, you know what? They, we don't know what people are seeing and feeling when they come into this place. They may not even know, but I'm praying for what's going on on 71. The people, the cars, when I come into the sanctuary and pray, I'm praying for those cars driving by on Cooper Road, on 71, on Ronald Reagan Highway, because they may not know. They're driving by and they're saying, whew. They're thinking about the trouble they're going home to. They're thinking about the trouble in their lives, the addiction that they have, whatever it may be, but something touched them as they pass by. Something touches those people when they walk onto this property. And they may very well be the next Ruth that's going to bring, bring the next great missionary, to bring the next great pastor, to bring the next great evangelist. We don't know who's walking into this building church. That's why I want to have those eyes, the eyes of Boaz. And Lord God, if I have tears of Naomi, help me, Lord Jesus, to stand strong at that time and say, Lord, I don't understand this. And I may feel like you've testified against me, but I'm going to stand strong. And I want to keep the desire of Ruth. So often we come in and we, we feel we come out of this world and we come out of the sin and we come out of the darkness of this world when he calls us into that marvelous light. And we feel such grace and such mercy. And, and over the years, we, it, it kind of wanes and we think, well, where did it go? It's not waning. He's not left. He's just saying, come on, deeper. 
It's just like our marriage, just like our lives and our loved ones and the people in our lives. He's he's calling us to a deeper relationship. And I want to keep that desire. I may not feel the same way I did 10, 12 years ago when God was just pouring out love and forgiveness for the sin that I had had in my life at that time. I want to have that desire now the same as I did then where I just felt love from God, where I just wanted Him. And that's what this is all about. It's about that harvest. It's about that next Ruth coming in. So, Brother Mark, if you and Brother Brian would come up and just speak a little bit about this weekend and and what we have and what the future holds and about the harvest. Let's, Let's give Mark a hand clap for what he's doing in the planning of this. Let's clap unto the Lord and thank him for that word that Brother Charlie delivered. Like he spoke to mine and a lot of other circumstances. You know, July is about five years since I came into the church. Uh, the Lord has done a lot of things for my marriage and for myself and for our family. I'm thankful for the dinners with the Williams and the Leasers and the Bible studies and the, the love at men's prayer and, you know, the spirit that is the first apostolic church in the tree of life that that was just there to receive us and to love on us and to share wisdom and knowledge in the spirit of the Lord that came forth through the preaching. Wouldn't be here without it. And there's going to be people that come this Saturday, probably like me. As I think back, I was probably more indifferent, but maybe held a little hostage, you know, with a, with a marriage on the rocks, but, you know, came into the first apostolic church and You know, the Lord just moved on me from the first minute I was there. And, uh, you know, wives, if your husbands don't come to church regularly, bring them Saturday. You know, fathers, if your sons aren't here at church, you know, bring them Saturday. One experience with the Lord that, that kind of lets you enter into that liberty and that peace and that presence that just keeps bringing you back. But some information that the... The event is from 3 to 7 p.m. Everyone's going to receive a free meal voucher. Um, That's for all of our church members and guests. So we've got some great food options. We're going to have inflatables. We're going to have carnival-style games. Uh, We're going to have plenty of um, activities. And then at 5.30 p.m., we're going to start a a variety show with our evangelist, Will Rowland. Will Rowland is a children's evangelist. He's written uh, many great children's books. Uh, he's served the Lord for many years under his parents as a child, as a children's evangelist. And uh, he's going to offer a great time of, of uh, edifying entertainment for, for everyone that's going to be here on Saturday. And so that'll be from 530 to 7. And, um, you know, we're just hoping that everybody brings friends and family and, and invites neighbors and coworkers. <clears throat> you know, one thing spiritually that I'll say, and then I'll turn it over to my powerhouse brethren brother brian but um you know i was i was praying about saturday and i was praying about the the whole refugee immigrant children situation and how to feel about it you know i just felt the lord saying to me you know i'm acquainted with the feeling of having separation of my children and you know, out there in the world, in our neighborhoods, and around the church, and in our workplaces, you know, we don't know it when we're out in the world, but we're crying, we're lost, we're without our Father. 
and we need to make a way to bring those children unto the Father. And so we hope that Saturday's a non-invasive event for that. And we're going to pray now that the Spirit of the Lord moves and that more, more men like me would come in and be changed into who the Lord would, would want them for, for the church and the city and their families. I thank you all for your service and your love. thankful that the Lord loved Brother Mark. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every time he shares his testimony, I'm a big old basket case. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Jordan? A hard guy coming in here telling his wife he'll never, he'll never come to this altar. He'll never raise his hands. That's what he told her. Can you believe that? See, he was a liar. See, God saved him. I'm so thankful for the Lord's great grace. I just want to ask you a quick question, and I want you to think about it. Have you ever seen a soul? Have you ever seen one? You say, well, Brian, the soul of man is invisible. I understand. But have you ever looked at an individual and seen a soul? You know, in those moments when God will let you see a soul, you're changed. Your compassion swells. Your judgment fades. Your grace grows. That's what happens when you see a soul. This is why the scripture says provocative things like, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I know you know it, I know you've heard it, but when Jesus raised himself up from the dead, who else does that? But God manifest in the flesh, hallelujah, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. Who else raises themselves from the dead? The scripture tells us, that same Jesus showed himself alive with many works after his passion. His passion. And we are the body of Christ. His passion is to be alive in us. But sometimes it takes those moments where we start looking beyond the flesh of men and women and seeing a soul for that passion to be ignited and so I just said all that. I didn't, I didn't have any notes. I didn't know I was going to say any of that candidly, but I just wanted to draw you into a place of seeing this community, the children that will gather here this weekend, your service unto the Lord and volunteering, the families, see them as the harvest that Brother Charlie talked about. Because really like Boaz... We're all ruthless until we can see the harvest. Y'all know what I'm saying? But when we can see that harvest, when we can see souls, it changes everything about our servitude. There's a lot of churches that are going to put together a lot of events that are a lot more polished than what we'll do here this Saturday. 
But that's not the difference maker. The difference maker is when your hand goes forth, does it go forth to heal? When your words are spoken, are they seasoned with salt? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think as I age, I grow more and more aware that every interaction that I have with every individual is my light in the earth, his light in the earth through me. I said every. Men's softball league, yes. Yeah, even then. That waitress that didn't fill my drink up for 25 minutes, yes, even then. Celebrating a daddy-daughter date with my little girl, who's now not so little. Young woman, Brooklyn Renee. And we went and had a unique experience and shared a memory. And there was that individual. On the spectrum of alternate lifestyle, and your question as to whether or not someone is in an alternate lifestyle... He left no doubt. Some of you are laughing. Some of you don't know what to think. But there it is. It's that moment. A soul. Jesus shed his blood for every homosexual, for every alcoholic, for every abusive father. Come on. For everyone that's bound by substance addiction and so I don't know if it'll be one or if it'll be 1,000 that we will come into contact with but you're a difference maker and so I just want to uh, draw your attention to these truths as we go to the Lord in prayer you know there's a common theme in almost every convert's story Before they ever say Jesus, before they ever say when I receive the Holy Ghost, before they ever get to the fruit of their testimony, they always say something that sounds something like this. I will never forget when brother so-and-so cared enough to say, reached out to me and made an effort to tell me that I was. Do you understand what I'm saying? I will never forget. Am I, am, I, am I in the truth right now? I will never, every convert's testimony, this is how it always begins. I will never forget when sister so-and-so came up to me and said, y'all feel what I'm talking about right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, it's when the church becomes the church that conversions begin to happen because we become Christ in the earth. Hallelujah. And I, 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 did, I didn't come up here to prolong your evening. But there's just some things that the church needs to be reminded of. I should know I'm in the church. I need to be reminded of these things. So this weekend as we minister, I would, I would ask you before you get on premise, say, God, bless my countenance. Lord, let me be a conduit of your grace. Father, don't just give me the empty charismatic words to say how to win friends and influence people, but God, I pray that your love would be in me and that it would flow out of me. I'm telling you folks, genuine Christian character that is born of the Spirit 
not coerced by some protocol, but born of the Spirit, converts souls. I'm going to go back to my softball example. I don't know why that's fresh in my head. I'll tell you why. The park we've played at for years just got sold. And they told us that this week was the last week we are going to play there. A little part of me was like, oh. So that's probably why it's on my head. It's bouncing around in my subconscious. I ran into a uh, pastor and educator at a large Baptist church that I know from a large Baptist church in Milford, Milford Baptist, a, a, a man I, I greatly respect. He loves the Lord. And he was umpiring a ball game at our park. So this man is a pastor. He is a doctor. He's an educator. And he's an umpire. How about that resume, huh? And so you never know, you never know who's in your presence. You just don't know. And when I realized it was him, I said, oh, Brother Rago, are you serious? And he said, yeah, you know, I gave him a hug and we greeted and we made some small talk. And I said, I said, man, I got to tell you, I hope our church teams, <laughs> and I was hoping, I hope our church teams have always been on their best behavior in front of you. And you know what he said to me? He said, every umpire that works at this park knows your church teams and they talk about you without fail when we're in the umpire's locker room. And I thought, man, what an awesome testimony. They may not say anything to us, but they see when we take time to pray. They may not say anything to us, but they notice that we don't contest the call with the same degree of fervor that everyone else does. <laughs> we may contest the call. But my point is, again, everything that we say and we do, we're either pointing toward the cross of Calvary or we're sending them on down the path and telling them to keep on searching. The sower went forth to sow. The sower did not go forth to reap. The sower went forth to sow. He's the Lord of the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Send forth more laborers, Lord, because we're building a new sanctuary and we need them, God, in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, I don't know what testimony you're going to establish this weekend. When we pray in a moment, I want you to pray this prayer. But Father, I want to be that one that's part of the testimony of someone's conversion. Let's pray that he makes us that. Can we do that? Let's all stand across the assembly. We're going to take a moment to just diligently cover this event. We've got fun. You all heard about it. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. Brother T.F. Tenney would call it the middle, the place where mercy is. And everyone that comes on to this ground, hallelujah, let's pray that the Spirit of the Lord would meet them. Hallelujah. Folks, I'm telling you, what happens in the next five minutes will make a difference in what happens this weekend. In the name of Jesus, this is our most effectual opportunity right here. Prayer. So as we go before the Lord, I want you to pray for the community 
that the Lord would bless our businesses, that he would bless this community. I want you to pray for the families and the individuals that will come and be a part of our festivities. I want you to pray for each other that God would give us an inordinate amount of grace, his amazing grace, that it would flow through us, that it would cover us, and pray in the name of Jesus that we would be effectual in every single thing that we do. We cover this weekend with his name, hallelujah, with his glory, hallelujah, in prayer, and he will do amazing things. We know that's exactly how he works. Praise the name of Jesus. Would you join me now? We're going to take time. Exactly, Brother, Brother Tierney called it to my attention. The exact same way that we prayed Sunday morning. And look what happened. Hallelujah. 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 Let's do it right now. Bless you, boy. 
Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you right now, use me. Use me as your instrument and as your vessel. Lord, I want to be part of the testimony of someone's conversion, God. I want to be, Lord, your implement, God, your tool, your vessel, God, that would reach across the chasm, Lord Jesus, and draw someone into the body, Father. Baptize in the name above every name. Filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Converted, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord, I pray, Father, that you would save to the uttermost, God. Bless every effort, Lord. Bless every individual, God. We trust you to perform your work in the earth, Lord, through us. By and through the power of your might. And you, Lord, you, Lord, deserve, Lord, you, God, receive all of the glory. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Let's give him glory for it together collectively right now. We thank you for hearing, Lord. We thank you for going before us. We praise you, Lord, for filling us with your spirit, God. We thank you for cloaking us in your grace. We praise you, Lord, for miracles, signs, wonders, Father. We praise you for the waters of baptism being stirred. We thank you, Lord, for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We give you glory in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Somebody declare his name. Somebody declare his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's one response when we're faced with our own doubts. It's Jesus. There's one response when we're faced with fear. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. There's one response when circumstance is overwhelming. It is Jesus and his mighty matchless name. Let's give him a hand clap in this place. of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Someone say amen. Amen. It is done by faith. I charge you to go with God. Greet one another. Shake hands. Be friendly. Bless one another. Let's build the body together in Jesus' precious name. You may be dismissed. Hallelujah.